turn it on upstairs, please, and let me know when I can start. Wow. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry. That was the quickest turnaround time for me getting started that we've ever had. Congratulations up there in the sound room. Um, we want to welcome you as we continue on in our study of the New Testament, working through the New Testament a chapter at a time. We've already covered the Gospels and uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and now we're streaming through, uh, steaming through the book of Acts, however you want to put it. And we'll be in chapter 11 um, this week. Uh, and uh, you'll, you'll remember, we keep on going back to this, but I think it's important, written by, the, by Luke, who was a historian uh, and, a, and a great researcher and put a lot of effort into his recording of the events of the, the, the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ in the book of Luke and then in the events of the early church here in the book of Acts. And as I said to you before and want you to continue to relate to, this is our history. When you read this, this is your history. You are tied to the events of the early church by still being the church today. We, we, we are directly tied to this. So, um, you know, people are all interested in their genealogies and everything. That's all cool stuff. As the church, you are tied to what these events are and what's happening. And uh, not that we're adding to Scripture any longer, but, but we are still, in effect, living out the book of Acts. And, and your stories are being recorded. And, uh, well, like I said, they're not going to be added to canon. We're, the book of Acts, in some ways, continues on in us. So make sure you hear me say we're not adding the Scripture. All right? That's done. Uh, and it's perfect the way it is. But um, we are continuing on in the ideals and the concepts of the early church. That's what we're doing. So you're it. You're, you're, what, you're just doing what these guys were doing. That's, that's what we're doing is we're going out there and, and living in the world. And, and, you know, I've told you that we have to go. And, you know, we, 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 we talk about simple things here like trying to do the next right thing. That's a part of what it looks like. Um, by being thankful every day and loving God, by encouraging two people and loving others so that we can get one more lost child back to dad, that this is what we do, and this is us being the church. And, and you know, the, the church is not this building. You're the church. And when we come together, the church is gathering in this building. You know, our terminology, and I, I'm in there too. I say I'm going to the church um, when I mean I'm going to the building, because, but, but I know at a deeper level... We're the church, this, us folks. Just, we're the church. And when we leave here, we're still the church. We're just the church out there, which is where we have the most impact. We come in here, and we, we get fellowship, and we charge up a little bit, and we focus, and we worship, and we, we learn, and we do all the things that we're supposed to do. And then we go out there. And, you know, the, the, the neatest thing that we've got is when we do these things, the church has left the building. That's the best thing that we got going. And uh, that's good stuff. The church has left the building and it's being the church in a world that desperately needs it to be the church. And that, that we're learning, hopefully, to get our voice back. And that, you know, we, we talk all the time about how we've lost our voice in the culture because we got off track at some point And instead of being a place that loves people well, we, we somehow became this real critical thing. And we're just judging everyone. And, and we, we realized and forgot about the grace of God and our desperate need for it and that that we're just sinners saved by grace, maybe a little further along on the journey with God than those who aren't in yet, but, but certainly nothing to say, hey, we got it all figured out about, and that, that we can go and extend this grace that God's given us to the world around us. And as we do, and as we love them well, we get opportunities 
to, to present to them somehow this radical message that we possess, the, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we look for ways here. We talk about all the time, by radical hospitality and radical generosity. When people come, we want them to be comfortable. We want to bless them however we can. We want to, we want to do what we can so that they, they, they feel comfortable and we maybe break down some, some barriers that they might have so that they can hear the radical message. We want to get out there and be radically generous in the world around us. Let's make people stop and think, what is this all about? Why are they doing it? What am I, when we do those free car washes, you know, I get reports back for days of people talking about it all over town. And because someone will be there from the, from the, from the, from, from the vineyard and they won't say anything and they'll hear people talking about, did you see what was going on over there today? I love that. And it happens up and down the Keys. I get reports all the way up and down that people are stopping and talking. They were driving through on their way up and they stopped at a place up there and were saying, we had the craziest thing happen to us. I love that. They can't, because they can't process it. So it's wonderful stuff. So uh, we're, we're just trying to live out this book, the one we're studying now. We're, we're just in it. And so when we read it, I hope you feel connected to it. You should. It's your history. It's your history. You're tied in his story to what's going on with these guys. Now, as we move into chapter 11, remember we're, we're sort of... Uh, these, are, these are these chapters where things are slowly changing they the first you know quite a few chapters were really sort of about peter and his ministry it's about you know in the beginning jesus coming and the holy spirit and falling and all these things but we've really been following the apostle peter and his ministry throughout most of the chapters we got a brief introduction to saul in in chapter nine and and uh, he started doing some ministry and then he's been sent off to tarsus because he was too hot for the church at that moment and uh uh, he's gone to Tarsus. And um, Peter, in the last chapter, remember he visited the home of Cornelius. And this was, this was a huge event in the church. It's what opened the door for us as Gentiles to come into the church, these events. And it was part of the prophetic utterance of Jesus uh, in, in Acts 1.8 when he said, okay, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we, we saw it all start in, in Jerusalem there. And then it expanded because of the persecution of Stephen into Samaria. And the, the Spirit fell. And now, last chapter, we saw into the actual home of a Gentile, Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit fell. All of these things, uh, pictures of Acts 1-8 starting to be fulfilled. And, and, uh, and so we looked at, at Peter, you know, going and, and giving that radical message we talk about into the home of Cornelius. And they got saved. They came to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit came. And, and, uh, and so this was a huge deal. And part of this huge deal was that Peter got that vision uh, in, in chapter 10 of all these, you know, what he considered unclean animals and stuff. And the Lord saying, you know, go kill and eat and three times. And he said, never, never, never. And finally, he, he sort of put it together uh, that, that the Lord was giving him a message. And it, it prepared him to go into a Gentile's home. That was a huge deal. Touched on it last week. Before we read, let me touch on it again. Because in Acts 11, we're going to see that the circumcised believers are, are just, they're a mess because they hear the reports that Peter has gone into Cornelius' home. And when you see it, it's, even, it's not that he preached to them. That was different enough. You know what they're hung up on? He ate with them. Now, that's what they're going to say. You sat down and you ate with them. Why is that such a big deal? You know why? Biblically, you know, people always wonder why we do so much food here, and they think, oh, I just like to eat, and that's true. But, but um, there's a deeper thing. 
and there is throughout the New Testament. There's this amazing fellowship and bond that happens when people eat together. It's a biblical thing. And in the time that this book was written, it was a sign of acceptance. If you sat and ate with somebody, you'd said, I accept you. And, and remember, we talk about all the time that we're to accept people where they're at. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that they're doing or that we're saying, oh, it's okay and nobody's got to change. It just means, hey, okay, we accept you. And that's why we, we break bread the way we do. And a big part of that is that there's something in it that's deeply spiritual, believe it or not. So, why was it such a big deal for, for a Jewish person to eat with the Gentiles? And, and let me go back into it. Remember that you've got the Jewish people who are the chosen people of God and they know it. And yet for hundreds of years they've been oppressed and subjugated by Gentile nations. And they, they just have gotten to the point where they've said, you know, we've we got to deal with this. They, they're oppressing us. There's nothing we can do. We're not strong enough to deal with it. But we are not going to associate with them in any way. And they had made it a part of their law that there would be no association with Gentiles. None. Particularly, you know, except you know, in cases where they had to, but, but not certainly at the level of fellowship of eating. No way. And it was just not something that, that a Jewish person would do ever. Ever. Um, and so Peter goes into Cornelius' home because of this vision and not only preaches to him, but sees the Holy Spirit come and somehow then he just says, well, he sits down and eats and he hangs out with them. And remember, we saw some things softening because before that, in Acts 9, we saw that Peter was staying with Simon, who was a tanner, which means he you know, cleaned animal hides, who would have been considered unclean. That was a big first step. So there's these little baby steps that happen to make this thing happen, but it's significant in the life of the church. And, and so the believers are astounded to see God extending to the Gentiles what they'd been given in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And so this was a, this was a big deal. And um, I think it's interesting, because some of you may experience, it's like uh, sometimes there'll be a church that's been around for a long time, and, and um, all of a sudden there's a change in the area or in the neighborhood or something, and different people come into that church, and it changes. And, and some churches can't handle it. And, and because, well, they're not like us. And, and, and sometimes they, all of a sudden there's more of them than us. And, and see, that has to be dealt with because it's not them and us. It's us. And, and there's an acceptance that has to take place. And that's what the Jewish believers were going to have to do. See, they have to... This was huge. This, was, you have, this concept is, is you've got to kind of wrestle with was huge. That they were going to have to allow Gentiles in at some level. And uh, it would be a big deal. But again... See, this could have just split the church wide open, and it doesn't. They make a way by the anointing of the Spirit, and that's a very, very good thing. Okay, having preambled now for half of the time. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at Acts chapter 11. I'm going to read it to you. It's 30 verses. Beginning in verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house 
of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Again, like I said, that's their that's the sticking point. Not that he preached to them, not that this other stuff happened. How could you sit down and eat with them? Big deal. And Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. And then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send the Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your, and your whole household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on then as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remember what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. How's that? Pretty cool. You, your ancestors in his story were first called Christians in Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine was spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So let's just uh, get on the highlights. Um, like I was telling you, Acts 11, 1 through 4, the response um, from the Jewish believers, it's called circumcised believers, um, regarding Peter's ministry, in effect, to the Gentiles was really intense. And like I said, their biggest thing was this acceptance that he gave to them uh, by eating with them. And this just pushed them over the edge. And so they, they, they were critical, and they wanted to know why uh, this took place. And so Peter comes, and he explains to them the events 
that happened. And he gives them the details. So we, and we read the same details, and it's exactly what we read in chapter 10. Well, you know, it's summarized by Peter in uh, chapter 11. And I love Peter's words in uh, verses 17 and 18. In verse 17, because this is significant, the way Peter does this. He says, so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? See, Peter is shifting it real quick, making sure they get it. It wasn't about Peter because they were upset with Peter. He's like, if you're going to be upset, you need to be upset with God. Because God did for us, for, for them what he did for us, and once seen that, what was I supposed to do? And, and when they heard this, when they got that figured out, it wasn't about Peter eating with those guys. It was about the movement of God. Their response in verse 18 is, is where it changes now the church forever. So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And there we go. That's cool stuff. And, and it's a significant change. At that moment, everything changes because the focus of the church now includes Gentiles. It's a huge step. Before, it was only for Jewish people. And now it includes Gentiles. But we'll see that the, the customary way for the guys to spread the word is that they'll go into the towns that they, minute, they, they meet, go to, or directed to, and they start in the synagogues preaching about Jesus, and then when and if they don't receive it, they move out to the Gentiles, and it spreads from there. But it's the pattern to go, Paul will take that pattern with him, and you'll see that in the coming chapters, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, which is how the church started first, with Jewish circumcised believers, and then to the Gentiles. Um, and, and now we start seeing these things happening because from that thread now, we start seeing the movement of the church into Gentile areas. In verses 19 and 20, this good news um, begins to spread into uh, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, which are all Gentile lands. And Antioch is significant as well um, because the, the church just prospers there. It's a Gentile, uh, primarily a Gentile church. And um, it's, it's the, at the time, it's the third largest city in the Roman Empire. So it's a, it's a big deal. It's a significant deal that the church takes root there and begins to flourish. And uh, uh, this, this thing happens, and the, the disciples, uh, whoever gets out there and starts that church in Antioch isn't recorded for us by name. That doesn't mean they're not significant, just they didn't get recorded by name. But, but what happens is that the church in Jerusalem hears about what's going on and they decide to send their good friend Barnabas, who's been around since the beginning, the son of encouragement. We've talked about Barnabas a lot. And uh, he, he comes from Cyprus, although he was Jewish, but they think he'd be a great sort of fit for that area. And so they send him to, Cyprus, uh, to Antioch to find out what's going on. And um, he gets there, and he sees that God's at work, that it's a genuine thing, that the grace of God is there, and that the church is just growing. And uh, he rejoices, and he, he hangs in there and begins to minister to that church. He takes on... That church, and I, I like the description of, um, of Barnabas that's recorded for us. In uh, uh, he's described this way in verse 24 or 20, yeah, 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith. And it's interesting because it's very similar to the description that Luke gives us of Stephen. And remember, it was Stephen's uh, martyrdom that kicked off the spread of the church that took it to these areas anyway. And so now you have someone in, along those lines in Barnabas who's out there overseeing the ministry. Well, the church in Antioch, verses 25 and 26, is growing rapidly, 
And Barnabas realizes he needs a little help. And who does he think of but Saul, who will become Paul. Remember, it was Barnabas that, that took the risk and introduced Saul back to the apostles because Saul had just recently been converted from the one trying to kill them to one who was now for them, and they wouldn't have anything to do with them until Barnabas said, I'll stand with them. And then, like I said, things got really heavy in Jerusalem because of Paul's, uh, Saul's initial ministry. They sent him off to Tarsus, and there he is hanging out, and Barnabas goes, you know what, I need to go find Saul. So he goes off and he finds him, and he brings him back to Antioch, and that's where their team sort of really begins to flourish. And, and Barnabas and Saul minister for a full year in Antioch. And the church just increases um, tremendously. And um, let me just read you these verses real quick about the spread of the church. Acts 2.41 says that um, those who accepted his message were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's where it starts back in Acts 2. Acts 2.47 Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Started with 3,000 and we're adding them now. So it's slow growth, but it's growth. Verse 4.4. 4, Many heard the message believe and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Church is growing. It's from 3,000 to 5,000 in a couple of chapters. That's pretty good. Um, 5.14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. More and more and added to that number. The church is growing. Acts chapter 6. In those days, the number of the disciples was increasing, so still growing. Chapter 9, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord, still growing. Acts 11, 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Um, and, and in verse 24, uh, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So, well, the transition this happened is, you see, we were counting 3,000 and 5,000. We can't count anymore. It's gotten set big that they can't get a number. It's just a great number of people. That's how this thing is growing. It's flourishing. It's, it's just taking off. Every day, people are coming, and now it's spreading as it goes uh, throughout the world. And uh, like I said, I like 24, the, the first place that Christians are called, disciples are called Christians. Um, and, and why that's significant is now the church is being recognized as something distinct from Judaism. It's got a new thing now. They're Christians. They're, they're not what, what they always were. And then uh, the last few verses, this prophet comes in, Agabus, and he says there's going to be a famine. And in response to that, the Gentile guys, uh, believers, say, hey, we better put some support together and send it to the church in Jerusalem. And so they gather some stuff, and they send it with Barnabas and Saul. And uh, we'll pick it up there in the next chapter. Those guys go, and then the church is going to send Barnabas and Saul out on missionary journeys. And then this thing just goes wild and uh, continues till today. And that's enough for today because it's 8 o'clock. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. Um, and if you need anything, you can call us or write us. If you're up there, guys, turn it off. Make sure I see your thumb so I know somebody's up there, that you're turning that off. Thank you very much. If you have any prayer requests here, you can pass.